Hello, history enthusiasts. Welcome to the Rural Experience in America Community Civics Through Historical Inquiry podcast. The National Council for History Education, a proud member of the Library of Congress's Teaching with Primary Sources Consortium, is pleased to present to you a series of podcasts spotlighting the public history projects created by teachers, community partners, and students from all over the United States. My name is Talia, and today I'll be talking to one of the 11 educators who participated in the first year of this project. Listen in as we learn more about how they integrated public history into their classrooms. Let's welcome to the podcast, Rebecca Simmons. I'm Rebecca Simmons. I teach 6 through 8, self-contained inclusion alternative. I'm currently teaching English and social studies for all three grades. So my school is a 6 through 12 alternative school. So students are sent to my school from their regular schools because of behavior, um, because of specific academic needs. So sometimes we have students that are autistic that just cannot function in a regular classroom. They need a smaller environment. Uh, Some of my students have charges pending or charges that they've already, you know, have already been finalized. So they just need a smaller environment and they need more individualized attention. So they wind up coming to our school. I know a a lot of people, even in our communities, will actually say that we are the bad kid school. And I say they are not bad kids. They make bad choices and they need more guidance and more structure. I would love to learn more about your project exploring four counties and how they evolved as rural communities. So basically, I live in this small rural rural area. And where I live actually was over time split up into these four counties that are so interconnected. So like I grew up in one, I currently live in another, I have lived in another, and I work in the fourth one. And so we kind of have this interconnectedness here, but one county is especially more urban, whereas one is a lot more rural, which is the one where I actually teach. And so I wanted the kids to have an opportunity to really look at their local history and learn more about the area where they live by learning their history about that particular area. So our objective is really to have that opportunity to look at the the local history and learn how our area has been impacted by history and impacted history and how the things that have happened in the history in this area have affected the way things are currently for those, for our children, for our students. As far as the outcome, that's going to really depend on each individual student because whenever possible, I want to give them choice. And so currently they're in their research phase and they're primarily doing online research right now. Um, I am working on a field trip to one of the libraries in one of the four counties that actually has a North Carolina room with like all the history of the state. So, and we're also looking at bringing in a couple of local historians to speak. So I have a couple of students that are very tech savvy and have expressed interest in possibly doing a podcast episode of their own as their final presentation. 
Um, one thing that I've been talking with the students about is whatever form their final presentation is going to come in, um, creating a, uh, a Google site to have all that available online so like they can look back at it, their parents can see it. Um, and of course, you know, being a teacher, we have those digital literacy competencies that we have to do. So that will also help me out with renewing my license at the next round. Um, so I think that's one thing that they're really excited about is being able to put all of theirs, even if it's a picture of what their final product was, but being able to put all of that online and have it available and also um, any physical productions that they're going to have, any physical presentations that they're going to have. Um, we were working on a, um, a local business that actually is connected with our arts council, possibly doing some kind of display there. Fantastic. Speaking about that research that your students are doing, I would love to hear more about how you're using primary sources in your project and where you are finding some of those and um, what types of primary sources you're using. So um, we've actually started off some of the primary sources we're already looking at include maps of the area so that they can see how the lines have shifted because it was over the course of about 75 years that one county was split into two and then split into four. Um, we're also looking at images that are available on LOC, of course. There are actually some local websites that are run by historical societies in these areas, and they have lots of information available that they're also looking at. And of course, we're also you know, looking online at other websites that have lots of pictures and diary entries and letters. So it's, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> How have you found using the Library of Congress's resources? Which sources are you using from those collections? More images or maps? At this point with the Library of Congress, it's primarily been the maps so that they are really getting a feel for location and the geography of the area. And of course, where we are, there is a major river that actually divides these counties. And so they've been looking at like where that river goes and then how that was a determining factor in some of these county lines. Can you tell me a little bit about your community partner and how you've worked with them in creating this project? Jenny is the Main Street coordinator in Pilot Mountain, which is the town that I live in, which is in Surrey County. And she has been able to kind of guide me toward resources and people that would benefit my students in their research. The Arts Council that we're working with or trying to work with is actually in the county where I teach and my community partner is in the county where I live. There's so many uh, people involved when you're doing a project like this. So how, how has it been balancing um, your role as a teacher and working with the community partners and then also balancing the students' role in the project? It's been interesting. Um, time has definitely not been our friend, which of course, you know, it's coming up on the holidays, so everything is a mad rush right now. Uh, but I really feel like that we are making some headway. It's just been slow. And getting my students used to doing research because many of them have never completed research online or any other method. 
Have you found any tips that's been helpful in moving them forward in their research or helpful in inspiring them to discover new things through their research? Definitely giving them some starting points as far as the online research instead of just letting them dive straight into Google. Um, Also, uh, I had each student create a Google Doc as they were doing their online research so that they could pull their information, you know, type up their notes and also go ahead and just copy and paste their links from, you know, the websites that they're looking at so that they would have their information when they get ready to do any kind of um, citations. I was wondering what some of the rewards and benefits are of completing a public history project? I I personally think that learning your personal history is really important and and learning your family history is important. And having been, you know, having grown up in the area where we're researching, growing, grown up in the area where I live now and I work, I'm able to give them some insight into their personal history, at least to a point. Um, but also, you know, it's interesting to learn about where we came from, not just the people, but the places and how those things have changed over time. What are some of the challenges that you have come across by completing a, a, a project like this? And with that, do you have any advice for teachers who might be facing similar challenges? Um, definitely. You know, we're still dealing with COVID. And of course, it's also flu season. So illness is rampant. So attendance has definitely been an issue. Um, Also, you know, some of my kids don't know how to do research. So we are working on research skills in the classroom, of course. Um, Time is, of course, always a problem. There's so much that we have to do in the classroom that sometimes it's hard to get it all done. So one thing that I have tried to do is specifically set aside a set amount of time every day that they can work on their projects. But we have a lot of flexibility in our schedule at my school. So I've also created what we call flex time and they have some extra time every day where they can work on their projects. They can work on missing assignments. Um, you know, if they have a, another special project that they're working on, so we try to build some time into our day to give them the opportunity to work on things. Finally, I'd like to hear any other um, pieces of, of advice you would have for educators interested in creating a public history project like this. And I'd love to hear if you have any other remarks on what your experience has been like working on this project. I, I absolutely love this project. I think it's a great project for the kids to work on. I think, you know, it's just been really enlightening for some of them. Uh, I do have a couple of students that are not from this area, so they're actually getting to learn about the area where they live now. And then the ones that have grown up around this area are learning things that they never knew. Thank you so much to Rebecca Simmons for giving us a sneak peek into her creative process. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you will also listen to other teachers, community partners, and students as they share their impressive public history projects that connect students with their community's history. You can find all the stories on our website at nchieteach.org.
This podcast has been produced by Regina Holland, Program Manager at National Council for History Education, and Talia Smith, the Teaching with Primary Sources intern at the Library of Congress. NCHE is a proud member of the Library of Congress's Teaching with Primary Sources Consortium. This podcast contains samples of Bulldoze Blues by Eleanor Ellis and Henry Thomas. It was retrieved by Deanne Arthur and Rick Arthur via the collection of Music Box Project materials found at the Archive of Folk Culture American Folklife Center at the Library of Congress. It can also be found on the Citizen DJ website. Last but certainly not least, thank you so much to all of the teachers, community partners, and students who participated in the creation of this podcast. Until next time.